0: Welcome everyone to the new 1001 Sherlock Holmes Stories podcast. Here you'll find a collection of Sherlock Holmes adventures, as well as the best of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's stories. Some from our archives at 1001 Classic Short Stories and 1001 Stories for the Road, and some newly produced. All here for your entertainment. More
1: coffee, Holmes. Mm. Uh, what's that, Watson? No, I merely asked if you'd like a final cup of coffee. I presumed you'd finished your breakfast. Oh, Oh, no, no, thank you. I've had enough. A busy day today? Yes. This has been one of the worst winters I
2: can recall. Never seen so many cases of bronchitis and influenza.
1: These terrible fogs. Oh, uh, wrap up well when you go out, Holmes. I shan't be going out. I've got a lot of bookkeeping to do. I hate it and everything involved with money and finance, but all the time has come and it must be faced.
3: Excuse me for interrupting, Mr. Holmes, but there's a message here for you. And Mr. Samuel Wise left it very early this morning. A pawnbroker, he said he was.
2: present the stories of Sherlock Holmes.
3: Tonight, an item of cartography.
2: Sherlock Holmes' finances had always been a mystery to me. I knew that upon occasions... He'd been rewarded for his most remarkable talents by princes and heads of state most handsomely. Yet, more often than not, he'd solved a crime that baffled Scotland Yard without apparently receiving a penny. Could he be in need of money? Well, surely he'd confide in me, his oldest friend. He'd not resort to pawning his
1: possessions. Surely not. (laughs) No, no, Watson. I can read your mind. My affairs are not in such a parlous state. This notice from Samuel Wise, the pawnbroker in Great Titchfield Street. He asks if it'll be convenient to call and see me this evening. As well, I shall write a note telling him to be here after eight o'clock when his business closes. A pawnbroker? Here, Holmes? Do you know the man? Oh, yes, extremely well. There have been times when I've been able to help him out of trouble. You remember the curious case of the blind Madonna? He's cooperated well with me, too. It's surprising the number of people a pawnbroker gets to know Watson... Wise Fingers, as he's affectionately known in underworld circles, is a valuable between-man. Not as an informer, Marky, but as a man who prides himself on helping others.
2: I shouldn't think a man of such altruistic principles would become a pawnbroker. Well, I have a patient in belsize Park who will be my first call of the morning, and from there I'll be making my way to Oxford Circus. Should you wish,
1: I can easily drop your reply at the pawnbroker's premises in Great Titchfield Street, as I'll be passing that way. Oh, thank you, Watson. That's extremely kind of you. I shall write it immediately.
2: I did as Holmes requested, merely dropping the note into the letterbox of the door under the pawnbroker's sign and went about my duties in cold, fog-bound London. Inevitably, everything was slowed down, and by the time I'd completed my day's calls, it was far later than usual i lit myself into our rooms at baker street with notions of a quiet peaceful evening i heard
1: laughter and realized that we were not alone ah uh, come in boston come in oh good evening yes i don't think you've met mr wise fingers this is my friend and colleague dr watson how do you do
3: uh, oh you won't know the likes of me but i've heard a great deal about you doctor it's a pleasure to make your acquaintance
1: i uh, do take off your cape and coat to get yourself near the fire watson and allow me to pour you a warming drink oh thank you i'd appreciate that uh, the fingers was just about to tell me the reason for his visit watson i thought we'd wait until you were present to witness it all you know how i always rely upon you to give me an opinion thank, thank you but when i
3: fear i may be intruding the more than far thought i'm concerned <laughs> uh, but i think i should say straight away mr Holmes, that uh, this has nothing to do with any crime at least as far as i know it hasn't well now pour
1: yourself another drink fingers Sit down again, and now that Watson is comfortable, tell us what brings you to see us.
3: Well, it was uh, on a Tuesday about three weeks ago. Uh, The bell of the shop door tinkled, and a well-dressed but rather pale young man entered. Yes, sir? What can I do for you? I wish to get some money on this antique map. Could you... I I mean, that is... Will, Will you value it? Yes, well, uh, oh, this looks quite valuable. Oh, here's a date. Yes, it's um, 18th century. It's beautifully worked. It's a privately commissioned map of the Greek island of Hydra. You see, mm. sir, the, the name of the artist, François Loudin. Mm. It's an extremely rare specimen and it must be worth a lot of money. Mm. Here, look, look at the carefully worked decorations around the edges. Oh, old maps are not really up my street, if you pardon the expression, sir. But so why not take it to the antique booksellers in Bond Street? Oh, because I, I don't want to part with it. But just at present, I, I need some money, as you can judge from my appearance. Let me have five pounds on the map until I can redeem it. Five pounds is a lot of money.
0: The
3: uh, map isn't worth it. Oh, but it is. It's a very rare. Uh, and Lou is a famous name. It must be worth well over a hundred pounds. Oh, if that's so, why not sell it? Because well, I don't want to part with it. Well, give me five pounds... Four. Four pounds, ten shillings? Uh, four. Oh, very well. Four. Oh, I'll, I'll write out the ticket. Oh, let's see. Number 71. You can redeem the map whenever you like. Six uh, percent interest. Uh, name and address? Robert Beecham, 32 Tunbridge Street, Maidervale. Robert Beecham, Bridge Street, Maidervale. There you are, sir. Four pounds in gold. Thank you. Thank you very much. Do take care of the map. I'll take it back whenever I can. Good day to you.
0: Much obliged.
3: Well, the young man left me, Mr. Holmes, and i placed the map away in a drawer. Didn't think much about it until yesterday, when out of the fog, the door opens, and in comes the most vulgar creatures I've seen in many a day. Elderly and coarsely spoken, seemed very excited. He put a pawn ticket on the counter in front of me, and the number on the ticket was
0: 71. Uh, Give me the map this
3: ticket is for, and quick now. Oh, let me see. Oh, yes. I can remember this now. That old map. It was handed in here by Mr. Robert Beecham. You come from him? That's right. Here's Here's the the money with the interest. Where's Where's the the map? map? Is, uh... Mr. Beecham, ill? Uh, why didn't he come here himself? What's that going to do with it? Use the ticket use the money to hand over the map I'm redeeming. Uh, no, no, I can't do that. Uh, that map's valuable. Uh, I couldn't, I could get into trouble if I didn't uh, let him redeem the map himself. So I'm telling you, I come from him and all you want, that map. map I- oh, and I'm sorry, if Mr. Beecham is ill, then tell him I'll bring the map to him. If he isn't ill, then he must come to me. Now, you may as well clear out. You can't have the map ticket on that ticket, so that's the close of the match. Oh, I'll yeah. oh, call the police, I will. Well, there's a police station not five minutes' walk down the road. If you worry, you'll find a sergeant on duty. You haven't heard the last of this. I'll get in, I tell you, if it's the last thing I'll do. Well, now, as I say, I have a way of sensing when things are amiss, and I was sure they were amiss. So, what did you do, Fingers? I shut up shop and I took a cab to Maida Vale. I was sure that young Mr. Beecham wanted me to hold on to that map. I expected him to be ill or to tell me that the man had robbed him of the ticket. But no, Mr. Rams, he did nothing of the kind. I was surprised when he said... The man's name is Victor Scribbon. I owe him money. I thought I might stop him pestering if I allowed him to redeem the map with his own money. Asking him to spend more on you. Are you going to give him the map? Of course not. I'm just going to let him look at it. The fact is that the map may be as valuable for the message it contains as it is for its artistic merit. Yeah. Message? Well, oh, yes. The fact is that the map belonged to my uncle, Jack Beecham. Just before he died, he hid his money away and left a will, which gives everything to the person who finds out where it is. Victor Scriven worked for my uncle and has as much right to the fortune as anyone. Uncle Jack told me that the secret was contained in the map. Victor found this out and wants to study it himself. And you were going to let him? I've studied that map. I've gone over it with a fine tooth comb and there's nothing there. No clue at all. If, If I let Victor try it, it might keep him quiet. You must be mad. Giving an opportunity like that to that ruffian. What else can I do? I'll tell you exactly what you can do. Get the help of experts, my boy. Leave this to me. Not to allow anyone to see that map until I've spoken to my friend, Sherlock Holmes. I'll call him as soon as I can, and I'll let you know his advice. But until then, I'm holding on to the map. And no one is going to even have a butcher's at it. Is
0: that understood?
3: And, well, that's the position, Mr. Holmes. That's
1: the story. Mm, quite remarkable. Uh, don't you think so, Watson? Yes, indeed. Well,
2: what we do now...
1: Well, let's see that map, Fingers. You brought it with you? It's on the sofa, in my bag. I'll I'll get it out. There. Good. Now, you want my advice? Oh, of course. Well, leave the map with me. Get in touch with young Robert Beecham and tell him to come over here tomorrow morning at ten o'clock. If there is a message regarding his uncle's fortune contained in that map, we shall find it together. Uh, uh, Well, yes, yes, of course. As you say. But although you do concern yourself with the well-being of others... You also have to live. If there is any money found, you will have some reward. If there is any money. Is that
3: it, Fingers? Well, uh, my interest is 6%, as you know. It sounds fair enough, don't you think? Oh, let's 6% and I'll do everything you say. How's that, Mr. Holmes?
2: It was typical of Sherlock Holmes that after Fingers Wise left he did not study the map at all. He simply locked it in the center drawer of his large desk. Until he gained all the facts from the owner of the map, he was not prepared to investigate the matter. The next day, the fog had lifted, and for the first time in over a week, a glow of yellow light showed through the low clouds. Holmes was engrossed in the morning paper when...
3: There's a young gentleman here, Mr. Holmes. Says his name is Beecham. Shall I show him through? Uh, Yes, please, Mrs. Hudson. Uh, Shall I drink some more
1: coffee? Uh, Perhaps a little later. Thank you, Mrs. Hudson. Very well.
3: I'll uh, I'll show the gentleman
2: through. Robert Beecham was exactly as Fingers Wise had described him. Shabby, but personable. He wasted no time and came straight to the
3: point. What Mr. Wise has told you is quite true, Mr. Holmes. There is a secret in that map that means money. I have been unable to find it. Perhaps with your help... Well, first, give me all the facts. Tell me the whole story of your Uncle Jack and this strange will. Uncle Jack died six months ago at the age of 70. In his early days, he had led a roving life, and ten years ago, he came home with a fortune from the West Indies. How much fortune? That's the odd part. Nobody ever knew the amount of his wealth, for he was a secretive old fellow who confided in no one. He bought a place of his own in Woking, just a small cottage, big enough for his needs, with a garden of which he was very fond. His only great luxury was collecting old books and antique maps. He had an extensive collection. Where is it now? We've sold along with the house and the land. A man in the city claimed the estate and sold it. Creditor. What about the fortune? Oh, well, Uncle Jack was a miser. Everybody knew it. All he gave me was the map. A valuable item. It was an unusual gesture of generosity.
1: Well, tell me all about it.
3: How he came to give it to you. he uh, come to see me because you think I'll give you money. Is that it, Robert? Oh, no, not really, Uncle. I am hard up. I still want to complete my studies, but if necessary, I can get a job. Seems a pity, though, to have to do so now. Uh, Never mind. Pity didn't have anything to do with hard work. It's leisure that harms folk. Uh, To be rich is to be idle, and to be idle is to waste one's mind. That may be true, Uncle, but these days it costs money to educate oneself. I can't learn without being given the right tools... You went abroad to make your fortune. I have to study to pass examinations. Examinations. (laughs) Pass a set of questions. That's not education. Then what is? Life. Life, that's what's education, my boy. Going to school, learning your sums. That's nothing to compare with getting out into the world and finding out the facts for yourself. (laughs) I educated myself, and I can tell you it was quite a task. And you know the chief lesson that I learned? What? What? That it is all one big, huge joke. (laughs) Nothing matters much except having a sense of humor. (laughs) It's all a joke. I don't think I find life very amusing at the moment. Well, you will. Uh, Hey, look, I'd like to help you out, but uh, I'll not be giving you any money. I'll give you something, though, of rare importance, I've got it here. On the shelf, under this window, that's here. Yeah, yeah, this is for you, laddie. What, what is it? A map? Oh, aye, and a rare one. And valuable, too. <laughs> but not for what it is. What's hidden within. <laughs> when I die, that map will tell you all. Just read my will and study that map. And we'll see who has the last laugh about my life. <laughs> yes, it is. it's all a, joke. <laughs> a big joke. That was the last time I saw Uncle Jack. Well, now you know everything, Mr. Holmes. Please study the map. Tell me if
1: you can find any clue in that. Very well. And let's start by putting it out carefully on this table. Now, Watson, come round here so you can get a good close look. Holmes used
2: his powerful magnifying glass and made no comment as we all studied the map, section by section. Not one pen or pencil mark marred the creamy surface. There was no hint that betrayed the secret of the hidden money. Finally, Robert Beecham leaned
1: back in his chair and sighed. There you are, you see. There's nothing. Nothing visible. And so, you know my methods, Watson. If there's nothing visible and yet something is there, then what is the answer? Just fine, Holmes. Something... Invisible, I suppose? Exactly. And what is more obvious than invisible ink? What? Precisely. You told me two things about your uncle. One, that he was a miser, and the other that he thought life was a huge joke. Was well, a practical joker. what is more likely than the use of invisible ink? Lemon juice.
2: That could well be one. Message and lemon juice we can discover simply by
3: using heat. But what do you say, Robert? It's worth a try. Well, there's a good fire burning in the grate. Uh, wait, we must proceed oh, carefully. By Jove, Holmes, a
1: flat
2: iron. You had a flat iron by the fire all the time. You knew that this is how we'd
1: find out the secret. a reasonable deduction. This is purely a question of reasoning. Now let's get to work. Now here's a thick velvet pad upon which we place the map first. Pass me that sheet of ground paper, Watson. There, there it is on the all right. All right, now place the paper over the top section of the map first. Now, I press the flat iron on there. Now, let's see. Hmm. Nothing there. Nothing at all. Oh, very well. Let's place the brown paper over the lower section of the map. Let so, me take the iron to that section. Now, let's see. Something is this? It, look. It's coming up. Oh,
3: yes. Look, look. The name printed in the bay there. Under read a series of numbers. Well, what does it say? Can you read the numbers? It says a. Uh, Uh, Forty-five...
0: Seventy-four...
1: Sixty-nine. Hmm. And the name there, underlined? Uh, Theo
3: Ladakis.
1: Does the name Theo Ladakis mean anything to you?
3: No, not a thing. It is evidently a Greek name. I have not even traveled to Greece.
1: It doesn't seem to have much bearing on anything. Now, what about the numbers? Let's see. Spaced out in twos. Forty-five, seventy-four... Sixty-nine Could be a date. Let's see, 9 of 11 of 15, 1815. How old was your uncle when he died? He was 70. Yes, he was born in
3: 1815. This looks like the date of his birth, yes. It must be 9th of November, 1850. Date of birth and a Greek name. Uh,
1: This property of your uncle's at Woking, has it been occupied yet? Not as far as I know. It's still deserted. Why? Because it is there that we must take up the case again. You have formed an opinion there. What is it? All in good time, my friend. I think we can take a train from Waterloo, which will get us down there this afternoon. Oh, and yes, bring the map, won't you, Robert? The cottage at Woking was small and neglected. It was set at the end of a square piece
2: of ground that held a number of trees. Fruit trees were unpruned, and the flowers grew wild with colour among the tall grass. The centre of the garden was a large oak tree, underneath which was an old wooden bench. A peaceful spot in which to read on mild days. It was certainly desolate now, although not quite deserted. For there, under an apple tree, was a man with a spade in his hand. He stopped digging and turned when he saw us.
3: Victor Scriven, what are you doing here? Oh, be, I might ask you and the other two gentlemen who were with you, what are you doing here? Well, this gentleman is Sherlock Holmes, a famous detective. He thinks he can find my uncle's treasure for me. And I'm here digging every foot of this garden till I find the money. Worked a lifetime for him, and he didn't got nothing for a lifetime service. Oh, miser. I deserve to find the money, even if I have to dig for a month.
1: I think that would be rather a waste of effort. I think this will provide the answer. Well, a map Yes, now let me explain. It's chiefly a matter of numbers. Boston, um, give me the numbers we've gathered together. Well, I'll give him to Mr. Helms forty-five seventy-four sixty-nine 69. Right. And now, Robert, the name printed in the bay. Oh, yes. Theo Ladakis. Right. Now take the fourth letter
3: of the name. It's O. Now the fifth. Uh, L. Oh, I see. Yes, that is the method. The seventh is uh, D. The is O. Sixth is A. And the ninth is
1: K. Which gives us quite simply old oak
3: then that's enough for me that's where i'll be digging no no wait wait. no no well, wait.
1: let him let him go ahead and dig if he finds anything if he finds anything we can quite easily prove that it belongs to you just let him dig
2: old victor Scribbins started digging He was digging furiously for two hours at the base of the old oak tree until he eventually found what we were all waiting for. A large tin box was raised to the surface. Chuckling and gloating, Victor forced it open.
0: <laughs>
2: we all expected to see gold coins spill out onto the damp earth. But instead
3: what? Oh what yes. A tin trunk. Uh... Nothing. Nothing. The piece of paper. Allow me. To whoever finds this. When I returned to England, everyone thought I was so wealthy. They were wrong. I had just enough to lease this land and the cottage for as long as I thought I should live. There is no money, no reward. It's better to be thought rich than to be rich. It's all a joke. A colossal joke. What?
0: Nothing! Nothing!
3: Sir, I'm penniless after
1: all. Not exactly. You have the map. That's the start. A beginning on which to build your own fortune. I must admit, I'm not at all surprised by this. A wealthy miser with a sense of humor as a man I've yet to meet. Human nature is very strange, don't
0: you think?
4: Listen again next Sunday to The Stories of Sherlock Holmes with Graham Armitage as Holmes and Kerry Jordan as Dr. Watson. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc.
2: There you are, Gerald. I think that should do the
4: trick. Thank you very much, Dr. Watson.
2: Uh, I must confess that I can't for the life of me think why you should need a reference from me. After all, you are a registered practitioner. Well, that
4: is what the advertisement of the paper demands. Here, see
2: for yourself. Uh, wanted for short period of services of medical man. Necessary he be of strong physique and steady nerves. Must be entomologist. Coleopterist preferred. Apply in person, 77 Brook Street, immediately. A reference from other medical man essential. Very <laughs> curious advertisement. I wish you well with your application. If you get offered the post, I advise you to go into the position quite thoroughly before accepting it. <laughs> Good luck, Gerald. present the stories of Sherlock Holmes
3: tonight the man who loved the people.
2: I hadn't seen young Gerald Hamilton for some years. I'd taken quite an interest in his career simply because he was a distant relative and the only member of my family who decided to take up medicine. I knew he'd done quite well and passed all his finals of flying colors. He was ambitious and was intent upon specializing, but was wise enough to get in as much general practice as possible beforehand. A strong, handsome young man. He was particularly interested in entomology, believing there was great need for medical research and the spreading of diseases by insects. Of course, I gave him a splendid character reference when he applied for a post with Lord Lynchmere at 77 Brook Street. We neither of us were to know what a trail of bizarre events were to start with this initial
4: You've come in answer to my advertisement, Dr. Hamilton, then. Do you fulfill the conditions which I've laid down? I think so, yes, sir. Uh-huh. would seem satisfactory from your references. Have you ever been exposed to imminent physical danger? I can't say that I have. But I believe I would react with promptness and keep my head in such circumstances. You certainly appear strong enough. you so far so good. And Now, what about beetles? Uh, beetles, sir? Yes, you say you're interested in entomology. Can you talk at all about beetles? Well, I cannot profess to have anything original to say upon that creature, but I have a small collection to study. And I did contribute a small medical article regarding him in the Journal of Entomological Science. No, oh, you were a collector. Huh? Splendid, quite splendid. You know the only really man for my purpose. You must have heard of my brother-in-law, no? Sir Thomas uh, Rossiter. One of the greatest authorities on the insect. You've not met him? No, sir. Ah, no, but you shall, you shall. I must tell you that my sister, Lady Elaine Rossiter, is abroad at the moment, and I have to stay with Sir Thomas over the next week. He is interested in nothing but his recent studies on the South American beetle. It will greatly aid me if you will accompany me to Delamere Court. That is my brother-in-law's country residence. Would that be convenient? If it falls within the scope of my duties, yes, of course. But with respect, sir, you have yet to outline this duty. Oh, yes, yes, quite, quite. I I should require, Dr. Hamilton, that you put yourself absolutely at my disposal. For as long as you're with me, particularly this coming week, you must remain by my side. You must promise to do, without question, whatever I may ask you to do, however unreasonable it may appear to be. Uh, That is asking a good deal could you not elaborate a little unfortunately not as i do not know what turn matters will take you may be sure that i shall not ask anything criminal (laughs) you may well be proud to have been concerned in a good work if it all ends happily it sounds extremely vague may i ask the term yes 20 pounds a day 20 pounds a day yes lord Lynchmere, you may rely upon me no no good then the matter is settled consider yourself engaged as from this very moment I will have a necessary contract of employment drawn up, should you desire it. Meanwhile, let it be a gentleman's agreement. Shall we shake hands on it, Dr. Hamilton? By all means. By all means.
2: It was in the middle of the next week that I received a letter from General Hamilton explaining his circumstances. It was a very interesting and somewhat puzzling letter. I read some of it aloud to Sherlock Holmes. It really is a most strange household. And, as each day passes, I ask myself just what I'm doing here. Lord Lynchmere is pleasantly eccentric, but his brother-in-law, Sir Thomas Rossiter, is quite extraordinarily mad. (laughs) He is a singularly ugly man, standing some six feet six inches, and is thin but wiry. His craggy features are topped by a domed head of strange appearance. His forehead appears to be in a state of continual movement, sometimes twitching. And at other times, the muscles seem to rotate. Most alarming. And I have never encountered this condition before. As a medical man, have you? I can't say that I have. That's most interesting. Carry on, Watson, More. Mm, uh, my duties are extremely vague. I am simply a companion to Lord Lynchmere, accompanying him wherever he goes, and even sleeping in the adjacent dressing room, his suite, so that I am within call should he wake in the night. Why he requires a doctor to attend him, I don't know, as he seems in very good health. Uh, For some hours every day, I talk to Sir Thomas, usually in connection with his work. But there is a strange atmosphere in this house, Dr Watson. It radiates a sinister feeling. I it would not be over fanciful to say that the place smells of evil. How long I shall manage to stand it, I cannot say. How I would like you to visit here and see for yourself. But I need the money, and I shall endure it for as long as I can. Hmm. Well, that's the main body of this news. Seems very odd,
1: doesn't it? Yes, yes, indeed. Well, I've heard of Sir Thomas Rotherter, of course. I think he's mentioned in all the modern works of entomology... There was a russeter who was a triple murderer. Well,
2: I sincerely hope there's
1: no family connection, Holmes. Yes,
0: yes.
1: So do I.
2: Another two weeks passed and there was no more news from Gerald. And then I came out to breakfast one morning to find a telegram propped up by the coffee pot. Holmes had finished his meal and was puffing away at his first pipe of the day when I opened it. Uh, good gracious. Ooh, something serious must have happened, Holmes. This is a telegram from Gerald Hamilton. He's in trouble. Listen. Please come, Delamere Court, Pangborn, soon as you can. Murder imminent. Bring Holmes. Despair for sanity. Hamilton. Yes, what,
1: what do you make of that, Holmes? Oh, no more or no less than what it says, Watson. Lord Lynchmere warned the young man of danger from the very beginning. Uh, shall you go down? Oh, yes, of course. Will you accompany me? Oh, by all means. I've already looked up the times of the trains and discovered that the best inn in the district is the Grover's Armor. <laughs> How could you have anticipated this, Holmes? Uh, the postmark on the telegram is Pangbourne. It's marked urgent. Must be a cry for help. Only your young prodigy could have sent it. Shall we hurry and catch the 945 Watson?
2: The journey from Paddington to Pangbourne was uneventful. The train was quite crowded, and we had little opportunity to talk. We took a donkey cart from Pangbourne Station to Delamere Court, and the driver of the cart seemed ill-disposed to chatter. As we clattered our way over the uneven dirt road that dwindled into a single track, I looked around the bleak countryside. The skies had clouded over and threatened rain. The leaves of the trees seemed to be grey and not green. The foliage of the hedges was dank and gave off an unpleasant smell. It was indeed a most depressing vista, Delamere Court, gray bleak and depressing, peered from the hillside with gloom foreboding.
1: What a miserable-looking district, Holmes. Not a great deal of cheer about it, is there? That, I take it, is the, upon the, of the oh, home of Sir Thomas Lossett? it must be. Is that Delamere Court, driver?
3: Oh, uh, that the is. I'll be dropping you at the drover's arms as we arranged. I've been going to drive up to that place no matter how much you pay me. you? Now, why should you say that? Because he's haunted, that's why. That place is haunted by the dead and by the undead. He'll take my advice. Stay clear of it. There's many who've set their foot in there and never been seen again. Just be warned. Stay clear. I
0: well.
2: Staying clear of Delamere Court was the last thing we had in mind. We signed in at the inn and immediately changed into our country boots and set out to walk across the fields to join the driveway of the estate. We were crunching our way towards the house when.
1: What the devil? Stay quite still, Watson. Make no attempt to take cover or move in any way. That shot was meant as a warning. What
0: may I ask you two doing
3: here? Can you not read the signs? Christmas is newly prosecuted. Turn immediately immediately leave
1: my land. You are Sir Thomas Rossiter? What if I am? I am Sherlock Holmes, and this is Dr. Watson. We've come to visit Lord Lynchmere. Well, this
3: is my land. Don't want any strangers
1: here. I don't care who you are. name Sherlock Holmes doesn't give you any more rights than anyone else. No, 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 I agree. On the other hand, the name Sir Thomas Rossiter does compel me to thank you for your book upon the Coleopatra. I found your chapter on the better-known species of British scarabi quite fascinating.
3: Oh, it's... It's a rare thing to meet a man who takes an intelligent interest in such matters. Uh, if you wish to speak to my brother-in-law, perhaps we could uh, discuss this matter on the way to the house. Perhaps, well, certainly,
1: certainly. Uh, but your this is Lord Lynchmere approaching.
3: Ah, yes, yes, it is. But come, let's not bother about him. Now, what is your opinion upon the life uh, nice cycle of the golden brown raspberry beetle? Hollis? Hollis? What is this? Uh, who these men? Uh, Mr. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson called to see you. Uh, Mr. Holmes is about to give me his views on the La Perispa Acid. Uh, please do not interrupt us. Now, you were saying, Mr.
4: Holmes... Well, like go fast-running active creatures... Dr. Watson, and you've brought Sherlock Holmes... Oh, thank heavens for that. Thank heavens, please. Please promise you will stay with me. Please promise me that you will never leave my side. promise...
2: Was immediately caught up in the weird atmosphere. I sensed at once the unbalanced mental state of both the men who walked with us up the Windswept Drive. Sir Thomas Rossiter appeared only calm and reasoned when he was discussing his work. When talking about beetles, he was thoughtful and rational. On other subjects, he was quite distraught As for Lord Lynchbeer, he seemed to sight himself with fear. Once inside the house, Sir Thomas made for his study with no word of explanation. Lynchmere took us through to the sitting room and offered us drinks.
4: I I know it, sir. I feel the need. I feel the need. Uh, Will you join me? Uh, Thank you, no. Uh,
2: uh, Not for me, thank you. Uh, uh, Lord Lynchmere, I feel I must explain our intrusion. The fact is that we've been sent for by my young friend and colleague, Dr. Gerald Hamilton.
4: He seems to have been in some trouble. Hamilton. uh, Dr. Hamilton. uh, Well, yes. uh, He isn't here. Not here. But you mean he is out at the moment? Yes, uh, since the morning, um, since um, this morning, early. He, uh, he had some business to attend to today. So I he guess. asked me last evening if he could take the day off. I, I naturally gave him permission, and so he's out this morning. He's gone to London. Oh, this is extraordinary. He sent a telegram to us, urging us to come down here
2: immediately. Well, why would he have done so if he contemplated coming back to town? He could have seen us there.
4: I... I don't know. Uh, believe me, I, I don't know. I'm most distressed by it all. If, uh, perhaps you uh, perhaps will return this afternoon. Uh, oh, please, you will stay to luncheon, won't you? Uh, uh, stay the night, as long as you like. Oh, uh, thank uh, you, but we are uh, comfortably housed at the drovers' arm. No, I'll tend to feel like it. would it,
2: it, be a pleasure having visitors here. We wouldn't dream of imposing upon your hospitality. No,
4: no trouble at all. But just let me... But I, 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 I uh, do assure you, Lord. Uh, I, I think
1: yes. we shouldn't be so churlish as to refuse an offer to stay in such a unique home, Watson. And after all, we do want to find Gerald Hamilton, don't we? Uh, well,
2: I... Uh, well, uh, 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 yes. yes, yes, I suppose you're right.
4: Uh, look, Captain, Captain, you're right, sir. Y- yes, uh, please take a trap down to the driver's aunt and uh, bring the luggage for Mr. Holmes and Dr. Very one, good, one. sir. And uh, tell the maids to make up the bed in the room either side of mine. Very good, sir. Will that be all, sir? Uh, for the moment, yes. Thank you. Well, I I cannot tell you how thankful I am that you've called, gentlemen, most obliging of you to consider staying over until Dr. Hamilton gets back. I'm sure he will not be long. I I still find the whole business most confusing, but naturally we want to do what is best for both you and him. Thank you. Thank you. I'm afraid you may find things a trifle dull here. Sir Thomas hardly ever leaves his own room except to walk in the gardens and study the insects. It's a very large house. Does he live here alone? My sister Elaine is travelling abroad at the moment. She she runs the house. There are some five servants. It's large but comfortable, providing you stay in the rooms that she has planned. No one dare venture into Sir Thomas' domain. There are some rooms that even servants are forbidden to enter. Heaven knows what they're like inside. Would it be possible to see around the place? Yes, yes, of course. Come, let me show you. Your rooms.
2: We were carefully shown over the house, seeing, I suspected, only what Lord Lynchmere wanted us to see. I could tell that Holmes was very intrigued. Although he kept up an endless stream of small talk with our host, he was noting every square inch of the rooms and corridors.
4: Uh, that is the door that can never be opened. It leads into Thomas's private quarters. As for the rest, there well, it is. At your disposal, gentlemen. Uh, certainly room, roomy. Eh? Yeah. I hope I can find my way about. uh, stay close to me. That is all I ask. Uh, My bedroom is here. Uh, Yours, Dr. Watson, is this one. And on the other side, that is yours, Mr. Holmes. Uh, There are connecting doors to my own room, and uh, I beg of you to leave them open tonight. I have a morbid fear of being alone, even when I'm sleeping. Uh, Shall we return to the sitting room? Uh, There should be a pleasant fire there by now. Oh, we can talk quietly into lunch. begging your pardon, the Lord. Mm? Could Mm? you please have a word with Cook about meals? Uh, They have to be changed now, and she wants definite instructions. Oh, dear dear, I'll try is. I suppose I'll have to do so. Oh, it's only a lame way here. Things would be so very, very different. Uh, will you please excuse me, gentlemen? Go down to the sitting room again. I, I will join you there in just a few moments. Yes, yes, very well don't Bother about us, we can find our
1: way. Now, quickly, Watson. This may be our only chance to talk. Lord Lynchmere is going to stick to us like glue. Holmes, what is going on here? I can't understand. Please. I think it's very clear that Gerald Hamilton has not left this house. If that's the case, then he must be here somewhere and held against his will. We've just got to put up with all this quaintness until we can find it. We're... How? How can we do that? We're never left alone. Look, after lunch, stick at uh, Lord Blintman aside. He's so scared that he's wearing himself out. Stay with him. Encourage him to relax. I shall make a thorough search and somehow or other get into Sir Thomas Rossiter's apartments. We think that he's being held in there, but why? No, well, in this house there could be many reasons. But I'm certain that he is here. Somewhere beyond that closed door he's been held prisoner. One doesn't like to think of what might be happening, but we must find him. Come. Let's
4: get back to the city. So, uh, my friend, you're awake.
3: Good.
4: Good. What the devil is going on here? I'm find it. Why well, I
3: tied down, I oh, many reasons. Yes, there are many reasons. One is so that you cannot protect that tiresome brother-in-law of mine who is watching my every move. It's worse than my wife. Oh, that's nothing
4: to do with you. I'm only here to do my
3: job. Your job me. will be over quite shortly. Oh, yes. You will not be needed after tonight. But so meanwhile, I'm anxious to try a small experiment. I'm sure, so, with your interest in the South American Beatles, you will agree to this in the cause of science. I have a theory that the large red of the Dale thrives on human blood. In much the same way, literally straw blood. And so, uh, get, get away! Get, get, get away! She must be mad! I have many of them here, in this large glass container she open your shirts.
0: Oh! do oh. She yes. must be mad.
4: Don't blast things away. I'll the top
3: soap. There. And now, yes. up in. Yes. Uh, tighten it upside down on your chest. Yes. There. Yes. The little ones will fall. Ah, oh. oh, yes. They have fallen onto your skin. Oh, They're confused. Oh, they run backwards and forwards over your flesh. Oh, this is causing <laughs> the pain. The pain
0: been better. Take him away. Oh,
3: no. No, I have caught on either side of the glass container. When he's caught, I can fasten to your wrist. So, and again here, I the glass case will now be secure. Experiment now begins. How long before they start to take your blood, I wonder?
0: How long?
4: There must <laughs> be... I can't stand it! I
0: can't
4: stand <laughs> it! I'm sorry, gentlemen... You have been disappointed Dr. Hamilton has a return. I can't explain but perhaps in the morning there will be an explanation. Meanwhile, well, the only thing I can suggest is an early night, that's all. And uh, Sir Thomas, we have not seen him all day. He has food sent through to his quarters. He's more than happy to be alone with his work. May I suggest a nice cup, uh, Not for me. Oh, oh excuse me. As for the country air, I think your
1: suggestion of retiring is a splendid one, Lord Lynchman. Then may I lead the way upstairs? Rogers will
4: put out the lamps. Come this way, please. And, oh, and please do remember to sleep with the communicating doors wide open, won't you? I simply loathe the feeling of being alone in the dark. If if you hear anything, anything at all, however slight, then, then, then wake me. You will promise, won't you? Wake me if you hear anything during the night. Promise.
1: Watson, we can waste no more time. Come quietly now, follow me. Fortunately, I packed a dark lantern with my things. Come this way. Holmes, Holmes, where are we going? We're surely not outside. That's right, it's the only way. Careful. The door. Ah,
0: ah, ah,
1: ah. Quickly, Watson, quickly. (coughs) Holmes, uh, what is this? I I thought you said that Gerald must be held inside the house. He's in the cellar under the study. There is a large ventilated grill that must lead down into the cellar. It should be easy enough to remove some feet here yeah, by the light of the lantern. There, half covered by the ivy. That has got to be the place. Yes, I, I, I think you may be right, Holmes. L- uh, shine the uh, light downwards. Help. 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 That's That's right, Watson. Come on, use the strength of yours. Get that grid up. Come on. 20
2: minutes with all our combined strength to ease the iron grow work away. A few minutes later, we were in the cellar unfastening the bonds that tied Gerald Hamilton to the table. Holmes threw the gas case that covered his chest to the ground.
0: <sighs>
2: yeah. Yeah, are you all right? Hard, I think so. Oh, let's get those loathsome creatures off your chest. What a horrible ordeal. It's,
4: it's all right. It, Thomas, just one of Thomas' illusions... Dr. Watson, Mr. Holmes, he's mad. Sir Watson, he's mad. About twelve.
2: Come along. Let's get you out of here. We'll get back to the driver's inn and call the police. No, no, no. Wait. There's
1: still Lord Lynchmere.
4: Yes. Yes, I was hired to protect him. He knows that his brother-in-law is dangerous.
1: Yes, well, there's no time to wait. Come. Let's get out of him into the house. There may still be time. Hurry, now, both of you. Careful. <laughs> Softly now. Quiet. Natural.
2: through here into my room, it leads to Lord Lynchmere's... Yes, I think it's all right. Yes,
1: Yes, he's still asleep. Ah, Careful now. Wait. Listen, someone's coming. It's not what it must be. Back into the shadows. See, the lamp still burns on the table. Wait, wait.
2: It took four of us all our strength to overpower Sir Thomas Rossiter. The lamps were then lit and order restored. Rossiter lay back in a chair, his arms securely tied with the sash cord from the windows. One glance was enough to prove that he was a most dangerous maniac. Gerald Hamilton found his doctor's bag and administered an injection that took immediate effect. Later, downstairs... Lord Lynchmere explained.
4: Uh, my poor brother-in-law is stricken with a disease. He comes from a stock which is deeply tainted with insanity. He has these periodical outbreaks in which he will attack anyone who seems to interfere with his work. I tried for years to conceal this. My sister has led a dreadful life and we realized that it could not continue. He grows worse each time. That's why I sent Elaine away and hired you, Hamilton. I needed protection and also a witness. A, a witness who was a doctor and could testify that Thomas is unbalanced and quite certifiable. Uh, we have had ample proof of that tonight. Thank heavens you came,
1: Mr. Holmes. Well, Watson has been more help than I. It was quite easy to discover the layout of the house and realize there had to be a cellar beneath the study. Well, you had a dreadful ordeal, Hamilton. I sympathize completely. The fact is that I've never been able to bear beetles... I think it's time we went home.
4: Listen again next Sunday to The Stories of Sherlock Holmes with Graham Armitage as Holmes and Kerry Jordan as Dr. Watson.
0: Mr.
1: Holmes, I was hoping I'd find you here working in the library. But my dear Tebbit, I know you are a tutor and lecturer at this college, but you must understand, I am an extremely busy man.
4: I realize that, but a very awkward and delicate incident has occurred here at Magdalene. By chance, you are here, and I must turn to
1: you for help. I'm sorry, I cannot be disturbed. If there is any trouble, I should prefer it if you would call in the police. The, the
4: police? Oh, no. No, that that would cause a terrible scandal at all costs. Maudland must avoid a scandal. I beg of you, Mr. Holmes, help us. For the sake of the college, help
0: us, please.
2: We present... The stories of Sherlock Holmes.
3: Tonight, a hollow victory.